Good morning, St. Peter's. Would you bow your hearts with me? God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now, amen. My first 10-day fast was a flop. On day three of said fast, my friend Tracy and I were hanging out in the lobby of her mother's church up in Mount Vernon when one of the participants invited us in, just as they'd ended the evening prayer circle. Now, this is the kind of prayer circle that ends with a meal. So you already know where this is going, how it will end. Well, we each took a seat among the women and neither of us, neither of us said a word about our fast as we said yes to the delicious serving offered to us of codfish and bake. Codfish and bake is Jamaican style salt fish sauteed and sandwiched between a slightly sweet bread. It is delicious. So delicious that, like I said, neither my friend nor I spoke a word or even looked at each other as we took those first mouth-watering bites. Deep-fried, crispy, crunchy, trans-fat-laden goodness. <laughs> Savory goodness. You know what I'm talking about. I couldn't say no. Was I hungry when we walked into the church? Absolutely. This was day three for a first time faster. And at this point in my mind, I was very much like Jesus in the wilderness, famished. Offer, thoughtless acquiescence. Yep, that's what happened. I lost the battle of temptation. In a split second, my commitment ended. I ate the glorious and satisfying food and knew the relief it brought to my empty belly ending my supposed bodily suffering. Temptation, my friends, is real and simple and so very ordinary. It is part of our experience as humans and it is here to stay. Our text today tells us of the temptation of Jesus and this first Sunday of Lent, as it does just about every year, centers his humanity in the wilderness. This text is about bodies, the body's need for food, the power and authority of kingdoms, kingdoms which control and manipulate bodies, and finally, the testing of God's promise of protection as Jesus asks God to rescue him from mortal death, from self-destruction, as he might throw himself from the, his entire body, right, from the top of the temple. At least that's what his accuser ass of him. Whether it's the remembrance of our mortality in ashes or here with the physical representation of bodies in and through our initial gospel reading, Lent begins with the body. Our Lenten journey isn't a disembodied experience. Jesus enters the wilderness as and in a body incarnated as the son of God, born of the bone and blood of a woman, Jesus begins his journey as the most vulnerable of creatures, an infant child. He was given and took on human flesh, imperfect flesh, flesh that can be wounded and even when resurrected 
will bear scars. And in, it is in this embodied earthly experience that we are united with him. These bodies can be both our blessing and impairment. The struggle is real. Life on earth in a body for a believer involves balancing our desires, staying focused and avoiding distractions and learning how and when to press save, to know our limitations, to choose life rather than self-destruction. It's about discernment over the kind of good things that can be easily manipulated or misused. The first battle Jesus faces with the evil one in the wilderness is with his body. We learn of his experience in the wilderness by first hearing of his fragile bodily state and go on to an imagining of Jesus being led, dragged around, as it were, in this weakened posture by his adversary from one scene to the next. We know Jesus to be accompanied and sustained by the spirit, but in this moment, in his full humanity, he is described as being famished after a 40-day fast. Humans, we understand, can survive without food for 30 to 40 days, as long as they are properly hydrated. So after 40 days of eating nothing, Jesus is near death. That's physically malnourished, starved, ravenous, empty. Jesus's body, his human body, weakened to the point of ravenous starvation, needs food to nourish and sustain it. And while he could relieve his hunger, he does not. The magic of a single miracle with bread will not define his mission. He chooses to endure. This is discernment. He endures this state of physical exhaustion and deterioration, remembering always his identity as son of God, child of God. In the text, in this first temptation, Jesus tells us what it means to live into such a title. He relies on spirit for the filling of the void called hunger. He trusts God. So we begin this first Sunday of Lent with the body, considering its vulnerability, its temporality. We are but dust, and to dust we shall return. But we are also invited into the remembering of these mortal, impermanent and imperfect bodies to with Jesus be to be empowered by the spirit to live beyond that human frailty this is a commitment to tell and retell ourselves the story of who and whose we are any void any emptiness Jesus reminds us is only filled by God sustained held together by the spirit Jesus's next temptation is to the misdirected use of power and abuse of this role. Surely such power is visceral, being felt in our internal organs, awakening our desires, which are not wrong in themselves, but have a tendency to push us to act without thought. We know it today as we consider what happens when leaders fail to understand their role or abuse their authority leaders who center the satisfaction of their own desires, bowing down to the God of self to gain the prized bounty of the world, money, power, success. Leaders who 
on the path to dominance would destroy any bodies that get in their way. Kingdom authority like this implies the ruthless rule over bodies. But what Jesus is and what he is called to be is a messianic king, a king whose authority, whose control begins with love. Lastly, the enemy tempts Jesus to, with arrogance, test God by stepping beyond his humanity to harm his own body. We see the image of a body flung from the pinnacle of a temple, a body that would not survive such a fall without intervention from God, God's self. Will God, the devil asks, rescue him from certain death? To test this, Jesus would have to abandon his humanity, a humanity determined as part of his call on earth, to live into that purpose, this experience and command to be with us, Emmanuel. So in each instance, Jesus combats his enemy's false and misguided understanding of what it means for him to be the son, a child of God. The spirit given by God is the divine power that activates this journey. It is Holy Spirit breathed empowerment for our embodied experience on earth. Jesus will need to be full of and led by the spirit to endure not only the present moment, but what comes next. Jesus is being torn down to be built up. He's being strengthened. As with the building of muscle where the tissue is torn down to be redeveloped, this time only stronger, we see in Luke's gospel, Jesus maturing, being prepared, growing wiser, stronger, gaining further understanding of his mission and ministry. For Jesus, this temptation and testing equals preparation. So keep reading because this part of the story ends in Jerusalem and what's next will be the cross. Jesus is being prepared to withstand the heartbreaking brutality of the cross. So his reliance on spirit is imperative. And linking word and spirit with common sense, Jesus wins. His recollection and persistent reflection on scripture, the deeper magic of it is written, the essence of it that goes beyond rote memorization or the flippant and irreverent use our adversary employs is imperative. Linking word and spirit and a fair amount of common sense, Jesus survives the wilderness. He returns to Galilee in power to go on to proclaim in his actions and words that he is indeed the one. And so we begin with the body and know our journey, this experience on earth, embodied, enfleshed, human, requires we acknowledge our vulnerability and weakness, our body's need for help. Like Jesus, we need a companion. What he is attempting to do is encourage Jesus to doubt his own identity, to act outside of his nature, to abandon his call as the son of God, to forget the baptism that marked him, the Holy Spirit's descent, the voice that screamed his belovedness, to forget his lineages, his ancestors' presence with and within him. 
His enemy wants him to forget all of that. It is the same with us. In the wilderness of this life, our enemy whispers those same doubts, questions our credentials, even though he already knows the identity we've been born into and continually proclaim. We are children of God, created, formed, called, loved. There are bodies, bodies all over this text. And we reflect today on Jesus's body and our own, our vulnerability as human bodies worn from life in pandemic mode and two bodies succumbing to the wages of war. We don't dismiss words like power and authority, but absolutely consider and are mindful of the source of such potentiality. Jesus's power, in contrast, is for the sake of the poor, the prisoners, the blind, those in the margins, and always on the outside. And those bodies, beautifully created and formed as they are, those bodies suffer. They're fragile. They are prone to weakness and wanderings, to temptations. We shouldn't be surprised by this. Jesus has a body and is intimately acquainted with suffering. He has a body like ours, and he is intimately acquainted with our suffering. There are bodies all over this text, and one of them belongs to you. These bodies and their individual sufferings belong to all of us. And our bodies know, and even in weakness, can help us discern a path to wholeness, even if it means we must first collapse. So which body are you? What can you learn about yourself through testing and temptation? To which temptation does your body identify? Is yours the body that is empty, needing physical refreshment and sustenance? Are you the body that will fill itself no matter the cost? Are you the body lured by the idea of power and promotion? Do you know the crippling anxiety it can cause? Do you seek always to have control, dismissing God's sovereignty? Or do you identify as one of the unnamed bodies, controlled by systems and institutions, abusive institutions well beyond your control? Living under such conditions breeds anxiety as well and emotional instability. And finally, is yours the body that has fallen into patterns of self-destruction? Check in with yourself. What feeling will you name? What is your body telling you? And can you discern its needs? Do you need refilling? What do you need to remember? Make a commitment today to listen and allow God to, with spirit, breathe life into your void, the places of emptiness, the places of your suffering. Because the choice this season isn't so much what we will or won't do, although there is a place for that. But more importantly, the decision we each must make is whose we will be 
how we'll open our hearts to the it is written, the transforming word of God, how we'll trust the Spirit's leading and presence as we face the challenges of life. In Christ's name, amen.